This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 9th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. FBI Director James Comey doesn't want you to be able to securely encrypt your private communications, at least not without giving the government a special key in case they want to read it. Patrick Eddington, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, says encryption is a tool that goes back to the communications of our founding fathers. The easiest way to really kind of conceptualize encryption is a way of taking a particular message that you want to send to another person and essentially scrambling it, finding a way. And over the course of the centuries, a number of different ways were developed and some of these things were what we would call one-time pads where you would match up a particular letter with a different letter or a number and both of you the writer of, of the of the message and the recipient would have essentially that that same uh, text, if you will, that same encryption encryption uh, algorithm uh, to work off of. And of course, in the modern area, in in the modern era, I should say, it's become a lot more complicated. But it's still ultimately based on mathematics. And so you you now have this circumstance where, because of these smartphones that we have and the tablets and all the rest of that. A number of manufacturers, both large and small, from a a giant and a multinational like Apple all the way down to a small operation like SureSpot uh, out in Boulder, Colorado, can come up with applications and services that employ end-to-end encryption that allow you to very securely send a message to somebody who is also using that same application and service. And this has become a big hobby horse and concern for federal law enforcement and for the intelligence community because not everyone who uses this kind of encryption is necessarily running a charity or trying to do something to improve the world. ISIS is beginning to use these kinds of things. And that's why FBI Director Comey has become, I would argue, the single most vehement anti-encryption spokesperson on behalf of the government today. Certainly there are risks of not being able to intercept certain communications that pose a risk to the United States, but encryption broadly is used for mostly just average people who want to keep their communications private. That is absolutely true and especially in the context of how we do our online banking how we handle our credit card transactions online, things of that nature. Encryption is at the heart of that process, which is why an Amazon.com or other online vendors really, I think, get very nervous when they start hearing government officials talk about so-called backdoors. And to, to think of this simply, a backdoor is, for all intents and purposes, a defect in encryption. It is a hole in encryption. Now, the problem with that, and, and you can put this in the, in the kind of uh, – in the kind of frame of, let's say, talking about the back door to your own house, right? Well, I have a key to my back door, right? My wife has a key to the back door. As long as we're the only two with that key, we have no problem, at least in theory. But if we make extra copies of those keys and we don't hang on to them, then suddenly we've created a vulnerability. And that's really what the government is basically now advocating in a July 8th hearing on Capitol Hill, Director Comey, in fact, was, was trying to, I think, sing a, a slightly different tune, saying, well, we're not asking for a government-mandated backdoor. We want industry, essentially, to create the backdoor. We want industry to, quote, work with us. And that's kind of become the code word. We want industry to work with us. 
And what that really means is we want industry to make the defective product so we can still get into it. The difficulty with that is just like if you take a key, an extra key, and you put it under a doormat, it's virtually an invitation to a thief to flip up the doormat and then get into your house. And it's, it would be exactly the same way in an electronic context, in an online context. If you tell manufacturers or if you strongly suggest to manufacturers you need to do this, they are literally creating a vulnerability that can be exploited by malicious hacker collectives or hostile intelligence services, and none of us should want that. And it's, it's interesting because when you ask industry to create this single mechanism to allow law enforcement to do one thing, you're effectively asking them to arrange their enterprise in such a way uh, that there is very little diversity in how people encrypt communication. So the vulnerability becomes one of if everybody's got the same system, they've all got the same vulnerability to malicious hackers, not peop- not even necessarily people who uh, want to use it for goodwill. Exactly. And even beyond that, we're now seeing that some of the folks in America who developed public key encryption over 25 years ago are now leaving the United States. They're taking themselves and their businesses and they're moving overseas to places like Switzerland. And here I'm thinking specifically about Phil Zimmerman, the creator of PGP or Pretty Good Privacy, which is really still kind of the standard uh, for public key encryption uh, or modified versions thereof. And he made it very clear that it wasn't fear of a uh, of an accidental nuclear exchange between the United States and Russia that, that led him to this decision. Uh, it was Mr. Comey's campaign and this ongoing uh, government anti-cryption campaign. And what makes this so hypocritical is that the founders of our country utilized encryption. They utilized it to communicate among, their, among themselves prior to and during the revolution and even after the revolution. And I'm not simply talking about governmental communications, although that was certainly true of the Continental Congress and the, and the Committee uh, uh, on Secrecy that Benjamin Franklin operated. It was essentially kind of our first de facto um, State Department slash OSS. But just in private correspondence, John and Abigail Adams, husband and wife, used encryption to communicate with each other. And if they had felt that encryption was such a problem, if James Madison, who also employed encryption himself, felt it was such a problem, he would have built in a back door to the Fourth Amendment. He didn't do it. None of them did. And I think we should you know, reflect on that and, and kind of understand their wisdom in not going down that road. What is at the core of the arguments about why backdoors need to be constructed? So this, I think, gets us back to this entire um, Jack Bauer 24 kind of scenario, right? I mean, this is all but what Comey was alluding to, essentially. And, and some members of the Judiciary Committee, Senator Cornyn, some others were basically all but egging Comey on in that respect. And the, the hypothetical fear is that a particular message will be exchanged between an ISIS operative operating in Syria with someone back here in the United States that will be an instruction to carry out an attack. That could certainly happen. And if the FBI was reliant on only one means of trying to detect these attacks, I could understand the concern. They have multiple tools at their disposal, however, in order to detect these kinds of communications and ultimately utilize other tools at their disposal, sneak and peek searches, actual physical wiretaps on the phones, uh, pen register trap and trace technology, things of that nature. 
as well as just good old-fashioned physical surveillance. Now, that's a more labor-intensive operation. I get that and, and I understand Director Comey's point on that. And that's probably an area that the committee should look at. I mean, is the FBI going to be adequately resourced from a manpower standpoint to go after more of these kinds of cases if encryption does become a little bit more of an issue? Um, I think that's fair. But what's not fair is to say that because of that specific problem, we need to compromise our banking system. We need to compromise our credit card security. We need to compromise all these other forms of security. That is simply a non-starter. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst in Homeland Security and Civil Liberties at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.